Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two very exciting passages um, full of encouragement from you to your leaders and your people to step out into uh, scary new places that you will be with them wherever they go. Pray that you would encourage us this morning, both through these readings and uh, through what I say, through our worship, reminding us that you are with us wherever we go. Help us to have courage to be witnesses to you, to bring glory to your name. Amen. So in this term's preaching series, we are on a mission with St. Paul, taking the good news of Jesus to new towns and cities. Last week, we heard Paul debating with the Athenian leaders about God's place in the natural and political world. Now he's moved on from the cultural, political, academic capital of Greece to Corinth, its center of commerce and distribution. God's mission is driving Paul on, always, to find new gospel bridgeheads. Why this relentless moving on to new places? Well, we need to go back to the beginning of Paul's mission. Last month, we heard how his mission began. The new church in uh, the Jewish community of Antioch had started um, preaching. They were the first congregation to preach intentionally to non-Jews. So Barnabas was sent from the center of the church, from the apostles, to Antioch to find out what was going on to check them out. And Barnabas uh, went to uh, a little bit west to... um, Uh, to where Paul was and found him and brought him back to Antioch to help him to disciple this new congregation. They they had their first um, uh, charity appeal, their first um, collection for aid, uh, hearing that uh, there was a famine in the Jerusalem area, and uh, they gathered resources, and uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas took the collection back to Jerusalem, and there they gave to Jerusalem a report on developments in Antioch. They returned, Barnabas and Paul, from Jerusalem to Antioch with the apostles' blessing to this strong, growing, generous, imaginative, evangelistic church. They'd got a notable preaching ministry and international recognition of their outstanding leadership, and their church was experiencing ongoing growth and favor with the local community and with the wider church. What could be better? What's not to like? Surely that was enough. Apparently not. As we heard last month, during a time of worship and prayer, the Holy Spirit told the congregation and their leaders that they were to release Barnabas and Paul for a new ministry, a Holy Spirit ministry, somewhere else. This would be a huge sacrifice for that church, to set aside their best preachers and leaders, to equip and finance them, and to send them off who knows where on some risky missionary adventure. Almost certainly they were asking themselves, how can we possibly spare them? We need them here. What will we do without them? 
And how can we find the funding? We've just sent all our spare cash to the center for its needs. These are not unfamiliar questions to us. Clearly, it would have been less demanding to keep doing what the, they were doing so well than to release people and resources for something uncertain, something new. But in retrospect, which was better? To have one large, thriving church in one place, or maybe not quite so large, but 20 or more smaller growing churches spread across the region? Which strategy had the more long-term fruitfulness for the gospel? From the chapters of Acts, it's clear that the more challenging strategy, releasing Paul and Barnabas, turned out to be far more, have a far greater, more penetrating impact across Europe. It turned out to be more fruitful as well as more faithful to follow the Holy Spirit's lead and release resources for church planting. Even from our own experience, this shouldn't be a surprise to us. It's, is it easier to double a single church or to plant a new one? From my experience, it's easier to plant a new one. Is it easier to grow a large church or plant several new ones? Is it easier to draw in people who live near you or people who live in other cities further away? The fundamental Jewish strategy shared by the early Jewish church, the Jerusalem church, was that God's people, wherever they were in any town across, um, across Israel or anywhere else in the world, in Alexandria, Antioch, Athens or Rome, that they all belonged in Jerusalem. That's where they came year after year to worship. That's where they brought their resources to give to the ministry of the central temple worship of God. But when the exile happened, when uh, the people of Israel were taken from Jerusalem off into exile into the Far East there, they were no longer able to return to Jerusalem. And so they began a, a temporary strategy. They built synagogues in which they could worship until they could get back to Jerusalem. Well, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul adopted this temporary strategy as his fundamental strategy. Wherever there were Christians, they should have their own local church, each of which would become a mission hub and plant new churches in turn. And if I hadn't already by this point spent three hours making this PowerPoint, I could have put in all of the cities where Paul and Barnabas planted congregations. And then if I'd done enough research after that, I could put in the, the, the towns where those congregations planted new congregations, filling out the, the map across uh, the Middle East and Europe. This is the, as Paul summed it up in a few words to Timothy, Follow my example and teach reliable leaders who can then teach others. So Paul found some reliable people, Epaphras and Timothy and Titus, Silas, and in this passage, Priscilla and Aquila. They found other reliable people, people that they could rely on. So in this case, Priscilla and Aquila finds Apollos. And then those other people go 
elsewhere, and they teach others who teach others who teach others, and so it spreads outwards. In effect, gather disciples in a new city, teach them, train up leaders who can be sent out to plant new churches and who can teach others to reach out to new communities in their turn. This is the fundamental church planting strategy used again and again over the last 2,000 years. A church arrives in a city, it plants into surrounding towns and other quarters of the city, and these area churches then plant into local villages and to, into local uh, suburbs and urban communities. And it happened here in Portsmouth 800 years ago. St. Thomas, now the cathedral, was one of the first churches on the Portsmouth island. When residential estates were spreading westwards across through South Sea, St. Jude's was planted. And St. Jude's planted St. Simon's to the east and St. Paul's to the, St. Peter's, sorry, to the north. At that point, 150 years ago, church planting here stopped, partly because we'd filled in all the gaps and partly because all the evangelistic zeal was going into church planting abroad. So over the next 150 years, viable churches got planted in countries all over the world. In almost every country of the world now, there is a viable church which can plant churches of its own. And these national and tribal churches continue with their own church planting work, and we've been part of that. I, in Indonesia, for five years, the Thomases in um, Japan, in Sendai, and the Greens in Malaysia. We have been part of an ongoing church planting process, one church planting another, filling in the gaps. But now, a new wave of church planting has begun in the UK. As attendance declined over the last century, many congregations ceased to exist and holes have opened up in the network uh, coverage of churches. But also, thanks to new technology and transport, people are making friends further away and through new kinds of, um, uh, of, of cultural networks. And so we've started planting churches again. And the astonishing thing is, the strategy still works. It, it turns out that it's still the quickest, fastest way of gathering new disciples create small groups of local Christians and encourage them to plant new groups in turn. And it, interestingly, it turns out that geography is still an important factor. People still actually like meeting people who live near them rather than people who live a lot further away. Well, as you know, St. Jude's has just joined in. Or rather, we've finally remembered our original DNA. We've just launched our first new congregation in 150 years. How exciting is that? And we've every expectation that St. Margaret's Community Church, meeting this afternoon for its second time, will grow faster than St. Jude's. It's, uh, it's not at all in, uh, unlikely that they will have doubled in size by Christmas. They know that their job is to make new disciples, to establish a healthy church community, to sort out their building, their finances, and their leadership. But they also know that ahead of them, 
they still have the new job of planting new congregations. So here's a question for us. Could we have started doing this decades ago when the Anglican Church first started thinking about it? We had the resources then to do it, certainly. Ten years ago, I had the vision for it. But the diocese and the deanery weren't yet in favor. However, a decade of increasingly desperate conversation about the state of the Church of England and the arrival of a new bishop and archdeacon have opened the door to it. But I've also spent that decade actively engaged in the life of the deanery and the diocese, as have other members of this congregation, building on a long history of our faithful support through finance, hospitality, and personnel. And we've been growing in capacity as well, consolidating our vision, our budget, and our staff. So when the bishop and the archdeacon decided to have a go at church planting, we were perfectly placed to shape plans to support Harbour, the new church plant, into the city and to launch our own church plant. At the start of the year, it seemed to us that the Holy Spirit was saying, set apart for me, Fran and his team, for the work I have for them at St. Margaret's. Well, over the year, we've all been preparing hard. The team has got built, the leadership have been trained, the hall is ready, the budgets have been raised, the governance is in place, the permissions. The deanery and diocese are working on plans for ordained leadership and a funding bid for the church building. And so last week, the team was commissioned and the congregation was launched. Fran and his team heard a variant of God's words to Joshua. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Albert Road into the land that I am about to give you. And so now they're following Paul's model. Move into the area, as Fran and Claire did at the beginning of the year. Find contacts to work with at the school, a new nursery, Slimming World. Challenge people to consider the claims of Jesus. Build a team. Preach for conversion and pray for miracles. Gather new disciples. Teach them. Weather opposition. Raise up leaders. And be ready when the Holy Spirit calls to plant again. Because now is the time for church planting. We don't have to stop here. We can keep going. It was the Holy Spirit's vision through St. Paul's that the church should keep replanting itself in new locations in each new generation. And his vision hasn't changed, and he's still creating new opportunities. So let's not stop now. We don't have to wait another 150 years. We can embrace the Holy Spirit's calling now. We can ask ourselves, how do we pre prepare for the next church plant? And where will that one be? The last words of our first reading were our theme verse when I first came to St. Jude's 18 years ago. They're just as appropriate today. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, says the Lord. Do not be terrified. 
Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being part of your work across the world in regenerating and renewing and increasing your church. We thank you for the fantastic privilege of commissioning Fran and his team last week and sending them off to St. Margaret's to begin St. Margaret's Community Church. We ask your blessing on them this week, particularly as the uh, excitement of last week drops away and they start the routine of Sunday ministry. We ask your blessing upon them. We ask that you'd inspire them. We ask that you would gather and bring to them people whose hearts are open to hear your message through them. We ask that you'd give them energy and wisdom and also that you would keep their vision um, looking forwards and outwards to the time when you'll call them again, call them to plant again. And meanwhile for us, Lord, we pray that we can stay within this exciting vision on the surfing on the crest of the wave, Lord, as you are pushing your church out into new places and new communities. Would you inspire us and challenge and encourage us? Would you give us the courage, the boldness, and the resources to ready ourselves for the next place where you will call us to plant out the seed of your gospel of a new gospel-bearing community that will bear fruit for you in a new community. Lord, may we have the privilege of continuing to be a blessing for others as we give away what you've given to us. That your gospel can, can be planted, your, your church, your kingdom may grow, and that we may bring glory to your name. Amen.